Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter, and if you like the podcast, make sure to comment, subscribe, review, share it, do all the things that you do to support the art that you like. And I'm joined here by comedian and friend Michael Malone, who I've known for about a decade now. Yeah, it's been a while. It's yeah, I met while. in Indianapolis when you used to live there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was living in Indianapolis for a little bit. I grew up in, uh, in Ohio, so I've just been slowly moving west uh, my whole life. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like you skipped a couple states, though. <laughs> yeah, I skipped over the majority, you know? Yeah, you were like, I gotta get across these Rockies quicker. I can't just walk. <laughs> yeah. um, so your, your new special, uh, Laugh yeah. After Death, um, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. So uh, you're about to break a million views on Amazon. Yeah. Um, which is incredible. It's insane. And it is about a subject that I can relate to a great deal and something that I've been writing about also. Yeah. And the idea of losing family. Yeah. I had, I lost my stepfather. Um, and then a year after that, I lost my mother. So both of them back to back, uh, out of nowhere, uh, no signs of sickness or anything like that. And uh, how did how did they die? Uh, my stepfather had. Um, I was home for Christmas. That was my mom's week. I always went home for Christmas, and because uh, I was at the time, I was touring forty six weeks a year on the road. Yeah, you know how that goes. <laughs> and uh, and so my that was my mom's week, and so I was leaving the day after Christmas to uh, go to Vegas for the very first time i'd been requested by brad garrett and i'd never met brad before that's incredible so it was like a huge opportunity for me at the time and uh and that the day after christmas the, the morning i left wayne had a heart attack and then the day after that he had a stroke and nobody told me for like four days i was just in vegas doing shows because my mom was like the type of person that when stuff would go wrong you wouldn't hear about it for like weeks later she'd be like you know last thursday i was in the hospital and you're like for what wait <laughs> like, did what she call me? was she actively trying to delay the news so it didn't ruin the opportunity yeah. in vegas yeah and she would always do that that's why she never wanted to interrupt what i had going on you know and she you know even like other family members even to this day they'll you know when my grandma calls me she's she'll be 95 this year and even when my yeah. grandma calls she's like i know you're busy and uh you know yeah it's <laughs> like, like you're 95 i'm not that busy i can take your call yeah <laughs> you know so okay wait so and how long were your step dad and your mother married uh almost 20 years it was just like it was like a little it was like around 18 so he was a dad to you yeah he wasn't someone new he was you grew up with him yeah i met wayne when i was 15 uh he was like 200 and something and uh (laughs) but uh, i was 15 and and i had a you know i I have a real dad everybody has a real dad somewhere fish have fathers and uh (laughs) my real dad just wasn't around he was on everything but the right path you know what i mean and so now uh, i before you tell the story i want to interrupt for a second talk about this for a moment i have a problem with that phrase (laughs) okay the real phrase Oh, yes. Because as someone who my sister's adopted. Right. And her biological mother is anything but real. Right. And so. I guess, yeah, biological would be. Right. It depends. Now, with your family, I don't know the dynamic. And so, but I just wanted to talk about this because this is something that, and I do material about that and about the problem I have with the the phrase, well, because I use biological mother and the problem I have is with the word mother. Right. I guess I just use real to shorten it. Right. Uh, so that people understand say, it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Instead of having, yeah. Birth dad. Birth dad. Do you yeah. have a relationship with him? Uh, no. And he's been, <laughs> he died when I was 12. 
Yeah. Uh, so I have two dead dads, which sounds like a, a sitcom coming out yeah, this fall. That's on a Fox. real two dark sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Two dead dads, and it's like, it's uh, what would that sitcom be? I feel like some like a girl with a Ouija board. <laughs> right. It depends on the decade that sitcom was made. Yeah. It'd be you like know. it'd be like Sabrina, only like really even darker. That's the '90s <laughs> version of it. Yeah, I think the 80, the '80s version of it is real camp. Yeah, you know they're they're ghosts each time, but it just depends on like what the <laughs> what the you. taste you for like sitcom was. The TV show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then there'd be two, and they'd be like getting a hijinks at some point. And now they'd be gay. You'd have to make two gay ghost dads. Right. Two, <laughs> two. Raising a minority son. Right. It would be called, yeah, gay dad. That's the only way you would dad. sell the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that way, right. And it would be on ABC. <laughs> Definitely be For on sure. ABC. So, okay, so he, how old were you when your parents divorced? Uh, so they were together when my father passed. So okay. uh, I was 12 when that when all that went so down. So your parents did not divorce. No. The, right. Science my, divorced them. Yes. <laughs> my dad would been, was married before. Um, I always joke around that my, my dad was so good at being a father, he had two families. Right. Because he would go back and forth between his ex-wife and my mother, and it was, like, so it was real messy. You had step-brothers or sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but so, I never lived with them. I never really. I, I, I called them holiday relatives. We saw, we okay, saw them at Christmas. Saw them the, and this did you and have that. any affinity for them? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. And I, I've always wanted. But it's not of course. Well, you know, it's family. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I well no because there's also like. And I was young, and you you think everybody's your favorite when you're a kid because well, they, that's, they that's treat true. you good, they bring you presents, they that's feed true. you. You're like. This person's the greatest. <laughs> right. But it also, but sometimes someone you have to see out of obligation, you could be like, this person's the worst. Right. Yeah. Like I have, so, I mean, my mother has been married three times. Oh, wow. So I've got, I've got enough step siblings that at this point I'm like, I don't know. On, they're on Facebook, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, I guess we kind of know each other. Like I couldn't pick two of them. I couldn't pick out of a lineup. We don't have a close relationship now. Yeah. And, um, uh, just just one of them. I'm just I'm close with one of them, and that's it. Out of the three, there's three. Yeah, um, and you don't get hit up from the whole like, oh, you're a successful comedian now, and suddenly we have to have a relationship. Yeah, I don't, don't answer those messages. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. So, okay, so when your dad passed when you were 12, yeah, and you say he was on everything but the right path, yeah, and you knew that as a kid, or did you not know that till later? Uh, I knew that he was drinking uh, as a kid and stuff. Uh, I'd come across a home video that my mother had of, uh, it's a great video, my father eating uh, these tomatoes that were cut up on a paper plate, and he'd come home that morning being drunk out all night, and my mother has home video of, of talking to him. She's like, he's cutting up this tomato, and he's eating the tomato and the paper plate at the same time. Like he's cutting the paper he's plate. He's cutting the paper and plate the, with oh it and just God. eating it, and mom's like, how's those tomatoes? He's like, great. Yeah, like he just <laughs> he's doesn't play, you know, drunk and high. Is and she laughing when it's happening? No, she's like trying to document it so she could show him, show him when he sobers up, oh. and hopefully that would be like the, hey, look, look, you're fucking up. And right. He was just like, I don't care. And he's like, at least it was just paper. Yeah, exactly. At least it wasn't a real plate. And what's what's odd is my dad was. Thirty some years sober. He was in the military. He was all these things. He worked at a factory most of his life. He was studied to be a lawyer and all this other stuff. And then uh, wanted to get out of the factory life so bad because I grew up in a hometown where y y y 
nobody's fathers or parents were like doctors and lawyers and mm-hmm. all that stuff. It was what shift does your dad work? There were two factories in town, and that was it. And where in Ohio is this? Uh, Marion, Ohio, which is about as big as a studio. And yeah. uh, you either made popcorn or you made washers and dryers, and that was everybody's life pretty much. Yeah. I graduated in a class of 72 people in high school, like that kind of thing. And um, so my, my father wanted out of that factory life so bad, and he, he finally found a way out of it, and he wanted to open up a bar. A couple of his buddies were buying a bar, and my mother was against it, and she's like, you don't even drink, and this and that, and then he bought the bar behind her back, and that was the beginning of the end for him. He started Ooh. drinking, and then he started hanging out with bar folk, and you know how that goes. And then it's By just... the way, that's, that'd be a great name for a bar. <laughs> bar folk? No, well, that too. I was saying behind her back. Oh, behind her back. It's a great name for a strip club, I think. Yeah, also that too. <laughs> So wow, so, yeah, and but but she stayed with him. Yeah, and my and my mother, she never said anything bad about my father. Even you know when when things were really bad, even when he was absent, you know he's absent most of my my life. There's a, there's a big area from like three to eleven where it's just real spotty. Mm-hmm. He really wasn't around. Um, and uh, she never said anything bad about him. Never shared any bad stories, anything like that. And then as I got older, she would just casually let stories out. Uh, we were yeah. driving home from Thanksgiving one year from my my cousin's house, and and they were passing by this road, and she goes, "Down that road is the prison your dad was in." Mm. I'm, I'm thirty. I shouldn't have taken a sip of water before <laughs> yeah. you told that story. And, I, and I'm thirty, and I've never knew. I never knew that. I never heard that story. I was like, yeah. "What?" And she's like, "Yeah," just like casually pointing it out and telling yeah. me the story and all it's that. It's similar to the casual, casually telling you about horrible news. Yes, yes. Uh, my mother was the queen of that. My mother would call me. I swear, she called me one time and she goes, "Do you remember uh, a kid in your class named Nathan?" I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, ah, "Blonde hair." I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, "His dad worked at." Th-. I'm like, "Ma, I know who Nathan is." You know, and she yeah. kept going on and on. I go, "Ma, I know who he is. He killed himself." Oh my god! <laughs> my oh. mother was. The queen of just like, yeah, just letting it just like unravel. Yeah, insane. So okay, so what what did he go to prison for? Uh, selling drugs too close to a school zone. Oh, father wow. of the year, baby. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. How long was he in prison? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it it's one of those things where my my mother never wanted me to have any ill will towards him. And yeah. so she always wanted him to be my dad. Like, she always wanted me to think of him as my father. So, okay, and then when you were 12, what did what did he die of? Uh, he died in his sleep. Um, he was taking pills and this and that, and his heart just stopped. He had a bad heart, and we just think it was... Combination of drugs combination and a bad heart. Combination of everything, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people, you know, say that... Like, oh, like Mitch Hedberg didn't die of an overdose. He died of a heart, right. like a congenital heart failure. Yeah. It's like butt brought on or but, exacerbated <laughs> by years yeah. of years of abusing your body. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and, and the reason I was curious is because yeah. if you suffer a lot of loss young, the the why matters because if it's genetic, if it's something like that, then it then it makes you reconsider your own life. Oh yeah, everybody on my father's side has had heart problems, and they've all yeah. died pretty much of heart problems. Have you? Are you like? Do you drink at all? Do you do no. any drugs? I don't drink, and I just started smoking weed when I was thirty. 
Yeah. And so uh, I'm really late to the party, but it's uh, it's great now. <laughs> okay. So, but weed, but nothing else. Yeah, nothing else. No. And did you ever drink? No, never been drunk. And I've tasted alcohol. I get that question a lot where they, yeah. they just blow, people are blown away that I've never been drunk. Or I've never had alcohol. I'm not blown away by that at all because of what you've been through and because yeah. of seeing that. And that's why I ask. I've seen it with family and with friends, too. You just you see the damage it does. You see how it changes. It literally changes people. They, they yeah. are completely different when they're drunk. And I just the control goes away. And it's just I, I don't like that. Yeah. And uh, I've never been interested in that. I mean, I've, I've tasted things before. Somebody's like, oh, this wine's really good. I'll taste it. Or uh, I, had a, I had a party when I was in high school, and I put, uh, I put uh, about this much of Hard, hard Mike's Lemonade into a gallon of Kool-Aid. And, man, I thought I was partying. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think that's 0, we're getting 0, 8%. Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. That's, I mean, there's not much alcohol in Mike's to begin with, no. let alone. Yeah. That is, oh, uh, what a combination. Hammered, baby. Okay, so so you're someone, and it's good yeah. to know this stuff, because this establishes that you dealt with loss at a young age. Yeah. One of the toughest things for me was that until my dad passed five years ago, I didn't lose anyone. Yeah. I had, I had a cousin who was, who was killed when I was young in a, in a DUI, and I knew him, but he wasn't part of my daily life at all. I don't remember much about him. Yeah. You know, I just knew him as a cousin. He was older than me, so we didn't really, you know, we bond at all. I I'd lost grandparents as yeah. everybody does. Everybody does. But, yeah. you know, I had never lost anyone that was in my daily life, a friend or otherwise, until my dad. And that just and and I've always been very casual about death. Yeah, it's I was exposed to it early. I lost three male figures in my life back to back within three years. I lost my father, my grandfather, and my uncle Mike, who were all very close to me in, in my upbringing. Yeah. Um, I lost all of them back to back when I was from like 10 to 12. I think I was cavalier about death because I didn't really understand it. Right. And, and at that age, you don't really understand it either. I mean, it's, that age, 30. Like I was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, you know, I, I, lost, I lost my dad. I was, I think I was 35. But the... What I mean is that to me, and even now, I still, when it's someone not close to me, I'm still like, yeah, what are you, what are you going to do? Like yeah. the other day we were, we were doing a show and there was, it was in this giant complex where there's a, it's in a mall where there's a million different things. Right. So this wasn't the comedy club parking lot, but it was the parking lot we were parked in. Someone was shot and killed. And... It was a road rage incident over a parking spot. It was two people being very, very dumb. Oh, my God. And basically, one guy took someone else's spot, the passenger of the car. And we didn't know all of this at the time. Right, we found yeah, this you just come day. out and you're like, what the fuck? The, the passenger of the other car that who wanted the spot got yeah. out and started like berating the guy. And the guy who took the spot turned and shot him and then drove away. So nobody took the spot in the end. <laughs> Someone died over a spot yeah, that neither one of them took. Nobody took. But when it happened, all I knew was that someone got shot. The guy wasn't dead yet. He was in the hospital. Someone got shot in the parking God. lot over a road rage incident. My response yep. was that it was, you know, it's two people being stupid. And in, during the show, I like mentioned it, and everybody's like freaking out. I was like, "What? Re relax. It's yeah, two people being dumb. One got shot. Whatever." The phrase I use, it's very insensitive, I understand. But I was like, he's fine. He's critically fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it was but to me right. I mean even now I'm laughing about it I know the guy died and I know that that sucks and that guy's got family, family and there are people who are very yes. sad I don't feel a shred and I don't know if this makes me a bad person or not I don't feel a shred of sorrow of sadness of anything because I go that's a guy who started a fight like an idiot right and while it sucks I, I, I know it's bad yeah I know in my mind it's bad <laughs> But I don't. That's a start. Yeah. But I don't have. Yeah. But I don't have the <laughs> the empathy of. And I'm an empathetic person. Do you, do you feel sad when celebrities uh, pass? When celebrities that have made an impact in my life pass, absolutely. Right. I think that's what it is. Then it's it's the connectivity. Right? So, so yeah. you have empathy for others who you who you look at in a great deal or know a lot about or have some kind of connection with, but it's hard in a scenario where excuse the term but if somebody's asking for it if two people are fighting or if two people are getting into it or you know it is then then that connectivity goes away and that empathy goes way down yeah and i like when which isn't uncommon it's not a because you don't i I always look at i had somebody tell me that you know it's it's hard to look at the other side of things and what you have to remember even when it comes to war and stuff is one person's freedom fighter is another person's hero you have to look at it that way when yeah there's always a whole bunch of people involved in the background that nobody sees right and that even when celebrity dies and people are saying terrible things about them afterwards you're like hey man the family can still read all this evil shit you're posting. Right. And I would <laughs> never, know? with the exception of someone like Fred Phelps, who was the the guy who led the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, yeah. Fuck that guy. I think he's the only guy that when someone died, I was like, good. Yeah. Like that was, I mean, like publicly. Yeah. Um, there are other people who are evil enough that I've been like, okay, fine. Yeah. But, but Fred Phelps is one. Like when he died, like when he first, first when he went to the hospital, I said, I hope he gets a black Jewish doctor with a good memory. <laughs> um, but the for the most part, like I'm cavalier about death, and it was to the point where when my dad did pass, yeah, um, two months earlier, a friend of mine lost his dad, one of my closest friends. And when he lost his dad, I reached out in the obligatory like, if you need anything, hey man, I'm sorry, yeah. I hope you're okay, kind of thing. And then when my dad died, I realized it, and I one of the earlier things I did, like I think the day, the I think it was the day after, I sent him a text apologizing and saying, yeah. I didn't understand this until it happened. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone can ever understand it until it happens. And losing a parent is a totally different thing than somebody else in your family dying. Even a close grandparent or whatever does not compare to losing Dep- a parent. It depends on the relationship. It, it, well, yeah. Losing the person who parented you, yes. whether they were... Yes. Right. Whether they were the sperm or the egg doesn't matter. It's the person who raised you. Yeah. And um, it's... Also, when you're caught up when it happens to you, I, I remember this thought when my mother died. Everything else still keeps moving. Life goes on. Everybody else is going to work. Everybody else, like, nothing. But in your world, everything has stopped. Everything has gone numb. And you look at them and you go, how come you don't how, know? How, yeah, how come you're not broken like I'm broken right now? How come you're not sad like I'm sad right now? Right, and... And and, 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 that, and that scenario is the perfect scenario you just said. When, you're, when your friend's dad died, you went on with your life. You gave him a text and went, and went on. And then when your dad died, it was everything. And you you're suddenly like, realize what it. is? How, yeah, how can, you, how can you just go on with your day? My fucking dad just died. Right. 
It's it's a totally surreal feeling. I want to talk more about it. Yeah. Um, we got to take a break for a second, but let's talk more about it. I think this is a very important episode. A lot of people go through stuff like this, and yeah. it's part of why I wanted to write about it in my act and part of why what I wanted to talk to yeah. you about. So uh, we'll be back in a second. Support the people who support us. Welcome back to Failing Forward. Joined here with comedian Mike Malone on a very serious episode. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say on a, but on we've a been hilarious funny, episode. We've been funny throughout <laughs> it, and I think that's the I think that's part of the key. That, it, that my family, especially, we were we. I was trained that way. I, you know, before Wayne came along, it was just my mother, and my grandmother raising me. Two mm-hmm. beautiful, strong, independent women. I never saw either one of them cry, not once in my entire life. And that's how I was kind of brought up. Was I think to, I saw my mother. I, I don't think I ever saw her not cry. Yeah, <laughs> <You're the opposite. laughs> she was just she, the running joke was always that like the Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yeah, was the show that she would like ball at, and right. was like, "Ugh, this is so trite. This is so cliche." <laughs> She'd be like, "But the frontier is so sad. It's so sad." See, my mother was just strong, and and we would laugh at tragedy. We would we would keep in good spirits. We would make fun of the things that were happening. We would find the light in the in those dark moments because uh, the philosophy was like, it's it's either going to drag you down, or you're going to get over it. And let's talk about let's talk about handling grief for a second. Yeah. And handling loss. So when my stepfather passed, so my stepfather passed well before my father did. But the reason I say I didn't experience loss is I barely knew him. Right. So you know, my mother and he met as an adult. They were married, I think, less than a year. And when he passed, it was certainly sad. But the thing that I made sure to do was I was like, hey, my mother will cry at the drop of a hat. I need to be the stoic one. Yeah. I need to be the rock right now. And meanwhile, we had, and everybody grieves differently, but the one way of grieving that I can say is categorically incorrect (laughs) is inserting yourself into a situation where you don't have grief and you just want to feel a part of it. Yeah. That to me is garbage. And the example I'll give, I'm not speaking in a vacuum. So my mother put up a sign in the elevator of her apartment building. That said, you know, uh, that said uh, that, you know, we, you know, he is he's, he's passed on and the funeral for those who knew him, the funeral is at et cetera. And we're Jewish. So, you know, the, the Shiva details are right. here and, you know, you can come to the apartment. We're going to be sitting Shiva for the next week. So a neighbor comes who has never met my mother or my stepfather. They've never interacted They do not know each other. This is their introduction. She comes to pay her respects. Okay. Which is fine. That's fine. Hey, I heard you were going through something. I live four floors above you and down the hall, which doesn't really make us friends, you know? (laughs) Uh, It's a rather large apartment building. Yeah. Um, But to pay your respects, that's fine. And she starts crying. This stranger starts crying. And so then my mother starts crying. Right. And I was like, my mother was okay before you came here. <laughs> you came here to make things worse. You came here so that you could feel loss that you've never felt. Right. And, and, maybe, and maybe it's a thing where, again, it, maybe she's an easy crier like your mother. So maybe it being around the grief and everything else. And I can see where... She started the grief. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is the idea of... And I saw it with. Uh, um, we see when celebrities die all the time. Sure, people jump on the bandwagon of being like right of of that weren't touched by that. Like, look, yeah. when Bowie died, I posted because I worked for him. I knew him. Right. When 
when Fife died, I I had never met him, but Tribe Called Quest was important to me as a kid. Yeah. And it made me really sad. Um, but uh, this kind of thing, like I saw it happen. Um, I went down to the site of, of the World Trade Center on the fifth anniversary. I hadn't gone yet. Yeah. New Yorker. I used to go to the World Trade Center all the time. I didn't go for five years because I was like, and people would be like, oh, I need it to be real. I'm like, it was, it was real enough. It's pretty real, yeah. So finally, I was okay with it enough that I would go, that I went down. So I went down there on the fifth year anniversary and there were like vigils. And there were people speaking at vigils. And everyone who spoke had no connection to it whatsoever to the point where one guy, and my friends and I still make fun of this to this day, where one guy said he felt particularly connected because he's from Milwaukee and he was watching, uh, I guess the Mets played the Brewers a few weeks before. And and he even said, he's like, you know, Carlos Beltran went like two for four. Wow. Like what it, it was the most ridiculous, yeah. horseshit, loose connection of like, right. I need to feel part of this and I don't, so I'm going to make this up so that I can feel part of this. But is that, is that bad? Um, the one with my mother was bad because it made it worse for her. Did it? I mean, did she need that? She was crying all day. She didn't. It's like, yeah, you need you know a good I mean? cry sometimes, but she needed a breath of air. Like yeah. she needed a moment <laughs> where she wasn't crying. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's just it comes down to that. You know, um, it, does it, you're saying does it do any real damage? Yeah, and if it's help, it does it help that person get through a loss that they are experiencing. That guy from Milwaukee, maybe it helped him. Your neighbor helped him what grieve? Maybe grieve it helped that the him. Mets won that day. No, but like you know what I mean. Have that whatever connection he had with what he thought New York is it, or was it, to him. Or it meant helped to him, him feel and, important. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I can get on that if they're seeking attention for it. I guess I can get on board and say, eh, fuck that. And I, and I think that that's what other happens people, often. You know, because you don't. Maybe that neighbor had you know had lost someone and she didn't grieve properly, and now she's seeing this and it's coming back to her. This and that. I, I guess I guess I'm more lax on the idea of you never know what's going on in other people's lives. And just because I started talking about loss on stage, and once I started sharing my story. After shows, people have been sharing their stories with me, Absolutely. which has been same thing happens to me. Unreal and overwhelming, and you just never know what other people have gone through or are currently going through. Yeah, and so I guess my take on that is maybe it's helping them. But if they're not doing it in a malicious way, if they're not posting about it, like if she's not taking a fucking Instagram while she's at your dad's funeral, like, hey, I just thought I'd stop by and but if but if you know, hold on a second, but, sad I but, am but if we take your freaking... logic to that place, then like, what does that hurt anybody if they're just uh, posting just about it? That's a shitty douchey thing to do, <laughs> right? But that's my point. It's a shitty douchey thing to do if you're doing it for attention, yeah. whether it's likes in real life or whether it's applause at right. a vigil. Yeah, like it's. I, I just find that to be yeah. I, I find that to be shitty. David Cross does a great joke about like on nine eleven the people who worked at the New York New York casino did they feel it a little bit more? <laughs> right. And he does this whole thing about how like you know I work at the fake Mulberry Street Pizza and and as you know that's only two blocks from the fake World Trade Center. <laughs> right. And so all I could think is that could have been me not me. Could have been me. Not and me. I love that line. I love that could have been me not me. But yeah, the that's a great line. The anyway. We're, yes. we're way off topic here. I mean, we kind of are on the same topic, but the point yeah. is, 
your act before you lost your stepdad and your mother yeah. versus what it is now. It's uh, night and day. Completely different. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I was very physical and very absurd and, and kind of silly and, and uh and it and it's and it's a weird thing because I didn't purposely switch gears. I yeah. didn't I didn't sit down one day and and you know just be like, well, I'm going to be sad on stage now. Now yeah. I'm serious. It just kind of happened naturally, and I start. I wanted to talk about it when it started with Wayne. When Wayne had passed, my stepfather, I I, I took two weeks off the road and I went right back on tour. Yeah, and I that weekend, um, I was doing jokes on Thursday and Friday about Wayne, but I was doing them like he was still alive. Yeah. And it, I felt- Stuff that had already been in your act. Yeah, yeah, stuff that I'd already done, and and it felt dirty. I felt like I was lying to the crowd. I had like this real grimy feel to myself. And and I told my girlfriend at the time, and and I was, was, she she was with me that weekend, and I was like, I just feel dirty. And she's like, well, be honest then. Tell them that he's gone. And so that Saturday, I did. I'd spoken past tense. And then I shared with them that Wayne had passed a few weeks ago, and you know I was honest with them. And afterwards, this older gentleman came up to me who smelled just like Wayne, and I have never smelled Wayne's cologne since. I have not smelled it like it. Yeah, this guy smelled just like Wayne, and he came up and he gave me a fucking hug, and he's like, "Thank you for sharing tonight. I had a really good time," and it was just like the surreal moment. And I was like, okay, I have to be, I have to be this honest about this from now on. Yeah. And I was. And then when mom passed, you know, I was already working on stuff about Wayne and I had built up more and more stories. And then when mom passed, well, when mom passed, I'm not going to lie. I went into a, a really weird funk. And I mean, I was, I was abusing marijuana. I, I don't think that marijuana is addictive. Yeah, like I, I, I will never. But get you on were that using bandwagon. it but I was, as a, yeah, as a shield or as a wall. I was using it like uh, Adam Sandler in the movie Click. Like I'm like, oh, I got a grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> fast forward. And I was like, oh, I gotta go to the. And I was just, I was high. I was high so much. I was just numb, right? I was using yeah. it as numbing. I was unless I was on stage telling jokes, I was high. Yeah, and I was. Uh, it got so bad that. The only way I was grieving was when I was sleeping. So my oh. subconscious, when I would sober up in my sleep, my subconscious would kick in, and then I would literally wake up at 3, 4 in the morning, and I would just be bawling my eyes out. And, I mean, I'm talking about waking up mid-cry, yeah. which is terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not talking like I woke up a little sad, like, mm, I should probably get up. I mean, bawling my eyes out and getting awake like being woken up you, by that. you probably had dreams about my mother's neighbor yeah <laughs> stopping by yeah it was just it was unhealthy so i was in that weird phase for a long time yeah um just in a, a haze uh but what helped me get out of that was writing about it was talking about it was sharing the stories about my mother and what had happened and once i started doing that it just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and now it's about 20 minutes on stage I talk about yeah every the timeline that would happen and going to therapy for the first time and what that was like and what you know how things do get better eventually and how I'm I'm better now and it's kind of a message of hope for people that are or have lost somebody yeah. close to them like that and, and and that's been my message the whole time is like it gets better 
Yeah, what I always tell people is I say, it never gets easy, but mm-hmm. it gets easier. Yeah, yeah. And it's something you'll carry with you the rest of your life. And that's that's what it is. It's this idea of carrying her with me, but not carrying the weight of loss with me. Yes. That is, that's the key. I think that's, and that's what it comes down to. Every time I do something that I know would have made my father proud, I get both really proud mm-hmm. and also a little sad. Yeah. But I try to let the pride outweigh the sad. Yeah. Because I know how happy it would make him. And so why should it make me upset? Yeah. And yeah. I try to keep that balance. I have a uh, what I call the butterfly effect with my mother. Yeah. Um, and it's I'm not a religious person at all. I'm not into all that. But I, I believe in universal signs here and there and all yeah. that stuff. And the guy I, wearing wearing Wayne's cologne. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I um uh at the funeral, my mother's funeral, somebody gotten a big thing of flowers and they had a, a live butterfly in there. And at the funeral, they released the butterfly and my, my grandmother released it. Yeah. At the funeral and it was a beautiful moment and all this stuff. And um, now whenever I see a butterfly, I think of my mother and it's like a connection with me. And I always see them in the oddest places and i even tested this theory because i kept seeing them here and there and i was like it's there was a a point where i was like okay this is dumb this is this doesn't mean anything butterflies are everywhere uh i was at a state fair in san diego with my ex and her family and i was walking a little bit ahead of them and uh i was talking out loud uh to my mother like i often do (laughs) and i was like all right mom if this whole butterfly thing is real like show me a butterfly today at some point today Show me a butterfly, and I'll, I'll I'll believe it from now on. And I swear to God, I turn the corner. Not ten steps later, I turn the corner, and there is a four foot by six foot butterfly that somebody had made, like for some kind of four H thing or from whatever. the state fair. Yeah, and oh. it's just hammered on the wall, and it's bright, and it's just like it's in the centerpiece kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> that. Yeah, there it is. So my mother, that that is who my mother. She's a smart ass. She's funny. Yeah. Like that's where I get my humor from. So she's like, oh, you want to see a butterfly? Yeah, I'll show there you the is. biggest butterfly you'll <laughs> exactly. ever see. I mean, it's huge, and I just start dying laughing, and I'm like, all right, you got yeah. me. Well, I could talk to you about this for yeah, for way forever. longer, and yeah. you know, I hate that we have to wrap right now, but I hope that people who have experienced loss, you know, can take something from this episode and who, you know, who haven't yet, you know, I hope that this helps, you know, dull the effects a little bit. Yeah. And I, I created so much from it, you know, the special is not only from it, but I also, uh, I documented going through therapy for the first time and what mm-hmm. that was like. Cause I, you know, there was a funk that I couldn't get out of and I delve into self-help books and therapy and all that stuff one summer. Cause it was just like waves crashing over me and, and I was digging myself out and I, I had a podcast going for a while called Advice from Strangers, and I'm very honest and I'm very raw about my feelings of grief and what it was like going through, what it was like going to therapy as a guy from the Midwest who, you know, I grew up in the Midwest in the 90s as a dude. We weren't allowed to be chilly. Right. (laughs) Now I'm allowed to be openly depressed on Twitter. (laughs) It's it's totally crazy. And so uh, the podcast is out there. It's called Advice from Strangers. If anybody is going through loss or hurt or whatever or therapy for the first time, yeah. 
it's like 25 episodes. I'm very honest. I'm very raw about those feelings, and I hope it, it helps somebody. Well, I hope people listen to it, and I also hope that people check out your special, Laugh After Death, free yeah. on Amazon, right? Amazon and Amazon Prime. Yeah. Excellent. Check it out. And, Mike, thanks for coming in. I really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. We'll see you next week.